pride in all that we do, whether we eat or drink, whether we sing, whether we preach, whether we give reports, Lord, we pray that you get all the honor and the glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome to HBF. It is good to see you. You may be seated. And if you're a first-time guest to HBF, we're glad that you're with us. If you're joining us live at, on uh, live stream, we're glad that you're with us this morning. We know there's several folks out there, so we're sent greetings from Heartland Baptist Fellowship. We pray that you're encouraged in the Lord. If you are a first-time guest, though, we want to just give you a gift. If you want to raise your hand or if you brought someone, you want to raise your hand for them. We're just going to bring you a gift right now. So Connie is so discreet. And uh, so uh, anybody else, first-time guests, the, the, the ushers will be by. And uh, kind of keep your hand up until they get to you. Sometimes it's hard to see uh, everybody. So we're glad that you are here with us this morning. I know we have several that have been here before and are, are kind of coming back and checking us out. We're glad to have you. And I pray that if you've got any questions or, or need anything, we'd love to visit with you and, and uh, share more about HBF. I pray that everybody's had an opportunity to visit an adult Bible fellowship and learn more about how we're structured as well. So this morning is a, is a really... Uh, oh, by the way, before I move on to that, uh, if you did get a guest bag, inside that guest bag is a white guest card. Now, we don't take up the, the offering right now due to COVID like we used to with passing the plate. But at the end of the service, if you could just fill out your name and information on that white guest card and drop it in one of the offering boxes. There's one at each door on the way out. That would be really good because I'll get that card and I'll be able to reach out to you this week, send you a note, and let you know that uh, we're glad to have you. And that also gives us a chance to... to uh, you know, kind of build a relationship. If you do have any questions or you want to know more about HBF or, or have some questions about HBF, there's also a place on that card where you can write in the comments. So please make sure to do that as well. Um, and I hope you enjoyed the Bible, the candy, and all the other stuff in that bag and uh, the gifts that are in there. So God bless you. So uh, this morning is a special day at HBF. Uh, I know it's, it's, it's Labor Day, so we're kinda, we kind of got people here, there, and everywhere. But man, I'm, if you're not here this morning, you're going to miss something. So um, so as you know, we've been, um, we've been working on a project, or we worked on a project in July, and it was really a God's good hand upon our church. In the midst of all the things going on, uh, we were minded, like in Ezra, to you know, keep our hand on the plow, to continue to do the work of the ministry, and, and a project that God um, you know, really brought to pass through HBF's heart for getting the word of God in the hearts and hands of other people came to fruition and is under in progress right now as um, as uh, Pastor Mike Pepper, missionary Mike Pepper, and his son Ab- son-in-law Abdul are with us today to take the Bibles that we assembled in July and now take them to Philadelphia to be loaded on a container so they can get to Sierra Leone. And uh, I was uh, Brother Pepper and I were, were just talking yesterday about how incredible God is, how this whole thing came to pass uh, through through. Uh, Brother Mike came through with, who was the gentleman, the the military gentleman that was with you? Carbo. So Lieutenant Carbo came in uh, from Sierra Leone, the chaplain for the the Sierra Leone military. How many were here for that? He had the, okay, so so there's several of us, maybe a quarter of us, maybe, uh, were here for that, and, and, uh, and, uh, Brother Mike was here, and, and, they, and we kind of squeezed him in that night. We had a lot going on, and we kind of we squeezed him in, and we heard that God used that seed. He dropped a seed in the heart of our people, and people came back and said, Hey, hey, Brian, you know, what happened to that situation? I remember the need for God's Word, and, of course, I think I may have said a few things about it as well here along the way. I don't know, but God put it on your all's heart. It wasn't something that I came up with or Pastor Randy came up with. 
uh, it was what God seeded through that visit many years ago. It's probably been three years ago or so. And, uh, and then your response in the body and said, hey, what are we doing about that? And so uh, by faith, we just stepped out, and I, I called Brother Pepper. He says, Brian, we can use the word. And I don't want to take any of his thunder. He'll talk about that. But, yeah, I said, okay. So Pastor Randy and I got together, and by faith, we just put together 5,000 whole Bibles. And, uh, man, that was exciting. How many of you all were part of that project? I just want to see show hands. A lot of you. Okay, so it's interesting. A lot of you who weren't here initially for the seed drop were a part of what God was doing. So God is using his body, not just here at HBF, but around the world, to deliver his word where it needs to go on time. We all have a part in that. And uh, bearing precious seed in Milford or Heartland or, or what Brother Mike is doing and, and his son-in-law over with the Rawlings Foundation, God is using all of us to get his word where it needs to go on time. And so last week we celebrated God's heart for the world, right, as we, we, we kind of focus on what we were doing here m- mainly locally um, for the most part or even up in Monmouth here kind of within the United States but now God says, okay, Brian, we're going to go and talk about the world. And so I want to just, uh, I want to just uh, have you focus uh, for the next, uh, you know, the time re- that we have. I'm going to put minutes on it because you know me. I'll go over. So, uh, so we're going to just focus for the next several minutes on what God is doing with this one project and what God is doing in the hearts of Sierra Leone. You know that, that song we just sang about being thirsty. You know, you think about the woman at the well in John chapter 4. And there are people out there who are thirsting for the word of God. There's a famine, not, a, not necessarily a food, although Sierra Leone has seen its share of famine, literal famine, and, uh, and Ebola and everything else. So they've had a tough time. But uh, by God's grace, God is uh, doing an amazing work there. I, I read a statistic uh, a couple, I was probably last year sometime, about Sierra Leone. And I don't know, Brother Mike could probably give us more insight on this. Uh, but I read an article, it was a secular article, and they said in this article, basically, I'm summarizing it, whatever is going on in Sierra Leone needs to be the model. Um, it needs to be the model for Africa because they've gone through Ebola, they've gone through civil war, but they're bouncing back. And uh, there's really not a, it's, it's not because of all the UN help and all these other agencies. And I remember what Brother Pepper said when he was here several years ago. He said, this is a place of revival. He goes, there's not a lot of places in the world where you see revival and can get in on it. And, uh, and uh, I, when I read that article, I thought that's exactly what the world needs in every country, right? In every nation, in this nation, we need a revival. We need the Spirit of God working in a mighty way. And you know what? Where the Word of God is there, the door is going to be open. And uh, so we need to continue to pray for these open doors. I'm pretty excited about this. So let's do this. Let's, uh, let's, uh, I'm going to share a video and, uh, and then... Uh, Brother uh, uh, Abdul and then Brother Pepper are going to come up and share this morning. And, uh, and, when, and uh, let's do this. Just get, if you guys could stand, let's just give them a good HBF welcome before they do. Thank you guys for being here. Hello, I'm Mike Pepper. After being married while in Bible college 56 years ago, God has led Diane and myself on an amazing journey. We left college to get our feet wet in a ministry serving in a Baptist church in Tampa, Florida for five years. Then God called us to the country of Korea, where we uh, served him for 13 years, establishing 19 local Baptist churches and even a four-year Bible college. 
God's journey then took us back to the United States to pastor a wonderful church in the Philadelphia area, where we spent the next 27 years not realizing that God had a totally different plan for our lives. During that time in Pennsylvania, we reached a wonderful Muslim family from Sierra Leone, Africa, for Jesus Christ. They became strong believers and a well-respected family in our church. Their eldest son, Abdul, became our son-in-law. It was because of this family that I made my first visit to their country in 2007. There I had the privilege of meeting the Muslim president and received an invitation to come and help their country. Then after 27 years of pastoring the church in Pennsylvania, I believed that Diane and I were being directed to this impoverished country located on the west coast of Africa. After a year of deputation, God's journey then took us to the capital city of Freetown, a city of four to five million people, a city of great spiritual needs, and a city where I can preach and teach and minister in English. Since arriving in March of 2009, God has enabled us to begin 13 local churches. One of our supporting churches in America provided a new building for our New Beginnings Baptist Church in Metchkamp. We were able to complete and dedicate this building this year. All 13 of our churches are pastored by a graduate of our Bible Institute or one of our students presently enrolled. Louisiana Baptist University has allowed us to partner with them in a four-year program that allows the university to issue a bachelor's degree to our graduates. We're presently raising funds to complete a building for the Institute that will provide classrooms, office space, library, and a computer classroom for our students. One of the most encouraging aspects of the ministry is the four elementary schools that have been established. With only 30% of the population being literate, education is extremely important to the future of these children. Many of our partnering churches have provided scholarships for the families that cannot afford schooling. A $100 scholarship provides a child with a year of tuition, a school uniform, and school supplies. Because of the Bible Institute, Salt and Light Ministries was approached several years ago by the defense minister and the head chaplain to assume the responsibility for the spiritual training of all of their chaplains. So with the help of several guest pastors and leaders from the United States, we have conducted seven very successful Excellence in Leadership seminars with about 500 chaplains in attendance each day for the week-long training. This has developed into a 10-year agreement with the Republic of Sierra Leone Armed Forces for the training of chaplains and the spiritual oversight of military base chapels. It has also afforded us the opportunity to impact the police force, correctional officers, as well as the fire force. Only God could have handed us this unbelievable opportunity. Looking at Sierra Leone over the years, we have been through a lot of problems. The Sierra Leone rebel war that started in 1991 
Then also with the Ebola crisis that uh, consumes so many innocent lives. So it's like the people of this country need the word of God. In Sierra Leone, they've given us the privilege of being able to give a copy of God's word to every member of the active duty military. Not only that, but we've given a personalized copy to every member of the National Police Force. Through those two open doors, the Lord has opened another door. The government there has requested that we get a copy of God's word to every student in every school in the entire country of Sierra Leone. Imagine the impact that this will have on a nation, a country, every police officer, every member of their military, and every school-aged child to have a copy of God's Word. We know that God's Word is powerful. We know that it changes lives. Imagine the difference that it's going to make for the people in Sierra Leone. Thank you for providing us the Word of God for these uh, needy people who do not have copies of Scripture. And that's made possible by you, and I thank you for your sacrifice. So we want to say we are very, very much appreciative of your kind gesture and I believe you did it so that the word of God will be you know spread far and wide and uh, that has been achieved and I want to say thank you and thanks to the almighty God. A big thank you to Bearing Precious Seed Ministry and all the churches in the United States of America. Thank you very much for this great provision, the Bibles. Salt and Light Ministries, in conjunction with the Rawlings Foundation, began four years ago the construction of an Oceanside 40-acre youth camp in Sierra Leone. Although the camp has not even been completed yet, it has already hosted thousands of young people, with thousands of young people coming to know Christ as Savior and Lord. High school students from the city are brought out from the public schools on city buses. Buildings like this beautiful pavilion hold up to 1,000 students who will be fed breakfast in the morning when they arrive. Then they attend morning teaching sessions where many hear the gospel for the first time. Then they have lunch, afternoon recreational activities on the beach, and then end the day with exciting Christian music and teaching in chapel services again. The teaching programs, as they learn about Christ, have made such a difference in the attitudes and lives of the students that schools are calling almost daily to schedule time for their students at the camp. Though Sierra Leone is a predominantly Muslim country, the camp has already proven itself to be a bridge in reaching the Muslim young people of this country. Just a short time ago, an Islamic high school came to the camp with 543 students in attendance. Out of that number, 378 accepted Christ along with the principal, the vice principal, and six of the teachers. Just listen to these senior high students who just learned the truth of the song, 
tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. There is such a positive response to the gospel message. In just the past three and a half years, we have had over 30,000 students attend the youth camp, with over 22,000 accepting Christ as Savior. Thank you to the churches that have made this ministry possible. Diane and I have been so blessed through you. We count it a privilege to be your representatives in this rich harvest field of Sierra Leone, West Africa. Thank you. May God bless each of you. It's, um, it's an it's a honor and a privilege and my pleasure to be here with you guys this morning. And um, I am Abdul Kante. I am a citizen of Sierra Leone. By that I mean that's where I was born. But now I'm a citizen of the United States of America, which is the greatest country in the world. But, uh, yeah. well, no, that's, that's, that's the truth. Um, according to the video, for me and my family, our journey to doing what I'm doing today, I cannot explain it. Okay, my father was a Muslim and my mother was a Christian. My father was one of those men that, um, I don't know if you guys know so much about Islam, but my father was one of those men that will call prayer at the mosque. The man that will say, Allah, Akbar. that's what my father did. My father was one of those men that um, he never touched the Bible. He has no business with the Bible. So that's the kind of family that I grew up in. And how God worked in my family's life to take us from Sierra Leone and bring us over to Pennsylvania. And having us attend a church in Pennsylvania where Pastor Mike was preaching at. And fast forward to this day, me standing here, I cannot explain it, but this is what I can say. The Lord has a plan for each and every one of our lives. And I am so thankful that I was able, well, God led us, my family, to um, First Baptist Church in Aston, Pennsylvania, where my youngest brother, he was the first one I received Christ from that church. And then my second youngest brother also got saved. And I got saved in youth camp back in 1991. And um, from that point on to today, God has used my family in a mighty way. And now I'm also working with the uh, Rollins Foundation, my wife and my two sons in Sale, you know, running the youth camp. And as you guys saw in the video, the youth camp 
That's, that was me. Whenever I see that, that was my life. You know, young people that grow up in Muslim homes that never have heard the word, Jesus Christ can save you. Never, not one time. Young people that do not have Bibles receiving the giant enrollments at camp. And for the first time, whenever they come to camp, listening about the word and receiving Christ. And we've had over 22,000 of these young people receive Christ in the last three and a half years. And that, that's God's work. I do not, you know, I can't explain it. That's what it does. And the doors in Sierra Leone are so wide open to the gospel. Church, you will not understand. Um, I've never seen a country that is so wide open that the government, top people, are asking us, please, teach our military. Please, teach our police force. Please, teach our young people, our high school people about the word of God. I've never, I've never seen that before. But that's the opportunity that myself and my father-in-law find ourselves in Israel, yo. And um, we came from Pennsylvania two days ago. Well, no, we left on Thursday. And we, um, you know, we've been down here. We came to come pick up 5,000 Bibles that eventually are going to be in the hands of some hungry Sierra Leoneans that are looking for Bibles. And for me and my family to you guys, I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you for putting that together for us. You guys, you guys have no idea how precious those Bibles are. You know, when you have a country where people are looking for something that they cannot find, which is the Word of God, people are hungry for the Word of God, and you guys have made the way for us to go share the Word of God with those people over there in Sierra Leone. And once again, I don't want to take too much time, but it's an honor and a privilege to be here. And um, what God is doing in our family, you guys are part of it. I mean, I know you guys are like, oh, well, I'm all the way here in Missouri. You know, where is Sierra Leone, by the way? Huh? So, you know, it's like the little tiny country in the west coast of Africa. But guess what? You guys have printed out 5,000 Bibles, helped us to get 5,000 Bibles to that little tiny country in West Africa that you guys are a part of. So, hey, we are all in this together to spread the word of God throughout the world. And I really, really thank you guys this morning for what you've done. Thank you so much. All of you, uh, for what you have done out in that uh, truck that uh, will make its way to Pennsylvania by God's grace, uh, is precious cargo, uh, more precious than gold or silver. And uh, this is the Bible that you printed, made put together, made possible for us to take back to Sierra Leone. I know in the video you saw the military and 
Bearing Precious Seed provided a complete Bible for all of the military. Uh, we, uh, they gave 10,000 Bibles that we distributed. Then they uh, gave 13,000 Bibles to uh, the police force, 2,000 Bibles to the fire force, and uh, to the correctional institution, they gave 2,000, and then also to the Metropolitan Police. We had all of those bases covered, and we are grateful for that. And then, of course, the John and Romans to distribute to the school uh, children. But we had no Bibles to uh, give to our church people. And uh, we, uh, your pastor called and uh, said, Mike, do you need Bibles? I said, Pastor, this is we, the first time we have no New Testaments and we have no Bibles to give to our own people. And uh, so he said, well, I think we're going to be able to put some Bibles together for you. Well, that was wonderful news. And um, we uh, came, uh, got here, arrived Friday night and, and uh, picked up the truck and brought it back here and uh, loaded up these 5,000 Bibles to take back with us. We're going to take and put on the container that uh, we're going to hold off. We had planned to do that this month, but we're going to hold off till October and uh, send the container over in October. This is the most beautiful Bible of all that has been given to Sierra Leone. And uh, in fact, I, when I saw it yesterday, I said, uh, I'm going to change my letterhead. I'm going to change my prayer card. I'm going to change my website. We're going to, uh, this is the color. Anyway, church, thank you so much. Those of you that work so hard to put these together and uh, make it possible. And uh, we're going to take uh, pictures. Now, we're gonna, we, one of the things we have learned over a process of time is that with only 30% literacy, we want to make sure that, first of all, our church people receive a Bible, but we want to make sure that they can read. And uh, so we're going to, uh, we have a plan for that. And then uh, usually uh, at least once a year, we try to do it twice a year, we bring all of our adults from all of our 13 churches together. Uh, and uh, last uh, year we brought them to the camp. We'll do that again when we get uh, back to Sierra Leone. And, uh, and then once we know the names of everybody that can read, We'll have our churches represented there. Each of our churches will be there. And we will give out the Bible to those who can read. And, um, you know, it's tough because you want to give one to everybody. But the, if they can't read, they're, going to, uh, they're not going to keep the Bible. And uh, to them, that's an opportunity to sell something to buy some uh, food with. And uh, so we're going to make sure these get in the hands of those that uh, number one, want them. Number two, can use them. And uh, they're so needful for our churches. Can you imagine uh, not having access to a Bible, never being able to read one? And, um, you know, even, even uh, uh, we, we had extra Bibles in C. 
Sierra Leone, I gave out all my personal Bibles. To be, that's just before we left. And so this is so uh, needed and so much appreciated. I uh, can't thank you, Pastor, enough for allowing me on this holiday weekend to come and, and be able to, uh, Abdul and I, to be able to speak to you. And just to tell you personally how much we appreciate this. Uh, we do not take this for granted. This, is, uh, this was such a need. And I had no idea where that was going to come from. And uh, thank you, church. Thanks for all your effort, your work, your prayers, your financial giving. And uh, thank you for making uh, this. Our people will be so proud of this. And uh, I tell you this, this color is going to make our churches unique. Uh, Abdul said yesterday, he said, everyone is going to know New Beginnings Baptist Church because they will know it by its Bible. And uh, so thank you, church, uh, once again. I, I can't express that enough. We have such a great opportunity. I ask you to pray that Abdul and I be able to get back to Sierra Leone soon. This virus has impacted, I know, impacted everybody. Impacted our churches, impacted our missionaries, impacted uh, our personal uh, lives. And um, we are so anxious to get back. I'm thankful for the staff that we have trained over the last uh, 11 years and uh, their work and what they're doing in our absence. I talk to them every day, and uh, Monday through Friday, and uh, we, we, they're keeping the ministry going by communicating to our pastors and, and uh, church leaders. And so uh, we are, are grateful for that, but we are anxious to get back because we are living in a land that is open to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have an opportunity to capture Sierra Leone for Christ. We have an opportunity to impact West Africa. I'm not going to take time this morning, but we have a strategy for impacting all of West Africa. And uh, we're putting this together through our Bible college and through the Rawlings Foundation. And so... Uh, that strategy, if we, can, uh, if we can make a strategy work that I believe God has given to us uh, for West Africa will be a template for the strategy for reaching East Africa and South Africa and Central Africa. And then if we can put that strategy together working with missionaries and churches of like faith and practice, we will be able to see uh, Africa reached for Christ and then move the gospel northward, the impact that it can make. Now, I don't know if I'm going to see this come to pass in my lifetime in West Africa, but I do believe my son-in-law and my daughter will be able to and, um, and, of course, the need is for missionaries. Um, I can't express enough the need for us to see more people come and help us. In a Muslim country, 70% of 
And we have the freedom to preach the gospel anywhere, anytime. And we do not have to fear. We have such liberty there. And in a country like that that can make such a difference in all of West Africa, we just need to ask God for labors for the harvest. And so I ask you to pray for that as you pray for for us, that we would see more labors thrust into the harvest. And uh, the Lord of the harvest, he will give that to us. I'd like for us to open our Bibles this morning. There's so much I'd like to say. It just seems like uh, there's never enough time. Uh, one of these days we'll be in heaven. We'll be able, to, uh, your pastor and I'll be able to preach as much as we want, say what, and, and people will listen as long as we want them to. <laughs> All right. Anyway, 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse number 5 down through verse number 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 5, I'm sorry, 16, verse number 5 down through verse number 9. I haven't told my son-in-law this because he needed uh, me to help, maybe help drive. Especially when he got ill yesterday, I thought, oh no, I'm going to have to drive. Two weeks ago, I developed a cataract on my right eye. And... uh, I can't get to see the doctor till the end of September. So anyway, my reading may be a little incorrect. If it is, I, I am reading from the Word of God. And if it needs correction, please feel free to correct, okay? He said, Paul said, now I will come unto you. When I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia, and it may be that I will abide, yea, and winter with you that ye may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. For I will not see you now by the way, but I trust to tarry a while uh, with you, if the Lord permit. But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. For a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. I want to just speak to you very briefly this morning on the open door. Sierra Leone is one of those open doors, a door that's open to the gospel of Jesus Christ, a country that has been through so much and has been neglected. I can tell you right now that uh, in the city of Freetown, the capital city, four or five million people, Abdul and I are the only missionaries gospel-preaching missionaries that I know of in Freetown. A lot left, a lot of missionaries left with the uh, Ebola crisis that came in 2014. And they didn't return. And here is an open door. And Paul talks about this open door. You can, you can understand the, uh, or, or appreciate the fact that that Paul wanted to be with the Corinthians. He loved them. He came there after Athens, and he came by himself, and, and it's a, there's that aspect of Paul's had such a discouraging time in Athens because of their intellectual rejection of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he came to Corinth. 
with that apprehensive heart. But God said to him, I have a lot of people in this city for you, Paul. I'm going to give you a lot of people here. And so Paul went and preached. He loved those people. He wanted to be with them. But he says in verse 9, verse, verse 8, he said, I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. Why? For a great door and effectual is opened unto me. And there are many adversaries. Paul had spent eight years preaching the gospel, making two missionary journeys, traveling from city to city, from province to province, working tirelessly, preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, starting churches, facing opposition, sometimes even having to flee for his, uh, from those who wanted to kill him. Now Paul is at Ephesus on his third missionary journey and he's writing to the church at Corinth and he's saying that he would like to come and spend some time with them. He said, maybe it'll even be, I, I can winter with you. But he said, I'm going to tarry here at Ephesus because there's an open door here. And Paul ends up staying at Ephesus for three years, twice as long as he ever stayed anywhere else. And from what we read, God not only used Paul to start a great church in Ephesus, but from that ministry, many more churches were started. Paul never visited Colossae. He wrote a letter to Colossae, but he, wasn't, he didn't start the church there. Probably somebody from Ephesus saw that city of Colossae and said, let me go there with the gospel, and a church was born. Many cities around Ephesus were uh, reached because of that church, became a center from which the gospel flowed throughout other provinces uh, surrounding them. When Paul saw that great open door, he saw a door of opportunity. Ephesus was not exactly a place where more, most Christians would dare to go. They would not have wanted to live in Ephesus, a big city, a strategic location, a commercial city, a city that was rich. But there was the temple of Artemis, a temple that measured 377 feet long and 180 feet wide and 60 feet high. It was the first building that was built completely out of marble. The world looked at it and said, wow, this is one of the seven wonders of the world. Paul looked at it a bit differently, didn't he? He looked at it as a city of opportunity. Opportunity for com commerce? No. Opportunity for politics? No. He saw it as a city of opportunity for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, I've, I want to come to you, Corinth. I want to come to the church. I want to express my love for you. I want to teach you some more. But I've got to go to Ephesus. I've got to stay here. 
It's a door of opportunity. It was not only a city that was rich, a city that was looked upon as from the world's perspective as one of the world's great cities of the Roman Empire. But Paul saw this gospel and the difference it would make in that city. And there we find, along with that temple, the immorality, prostitution, an immoral city. It was a city of superstition and black magic. As I said, it wasn't anywhere that you and I would want to be. A place where Christians would not want to live. But Paul was an optimist. Paul saw something in Ephesus that he that stirred his heart, made a difference. You know, we have to be careful that the place we are going to serve is not measured by the comfort level we find in America. We serve the Lord Jesus Christ wherever he wants us to be. Paul, the, the someone wrote about the difference between pessimism and optimism. And they said a pessimist sees a problem in every opportunity, but an optimist sees an opportunity in every problem. And though this city is not somewhere that we'd want to take our children, our families, it's a place where Paul saw a church being born, a church that would impact communities around it. Paul saw those opportunities. So many people that needed the gospel, that needed to hear the gospel, and Paul was determined to share that message with them. There were 200 million people in the world in 30 AD, it's estimated. There were 120 disciples meeting in that upper room. The Spirit of God came upon them. The power of the gospel, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When the Spirit of God came upon them, they could not wait to get out and tell others about the fact that Jesus is alive. And as soon as that took place, they went out there were 3,000 saved and baptized and 5,000 saved and baptized. And those were men, not counting the women and the children. That church in Jerusalem was estimated to be somewhere around 20,000 believers. What a church. Meeting out in the open. Not, didn't have a fine, nice building. I love your building. I said to Ab as we were coming in, I said, we need to ask God to give us this building to put in Sierra Leone. Never satisfied, are we? But you know something? Persecution came to that church at Jerusalem. The apostles stayed there and they taught them and they preached to them and God let persecution come to that city. We never know what God is doing. We don't always understand everything. Who can understand the COVID? 
or the China virus. Who could understand that? I mean, just 2014, we had to leave because of Ebola. Now we have to leave because of that virus. Impacted our churches all over this country. But God is at work. He he knew from before the foundation of the world what was going to happen to us in 2020. He knows the end from the beginning. Everything, God's hand is upon us. In the midst of that persecution, in the midst of Paul's struggles, in the midst of all that he was going through, he saw a city that had an opportunity for the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he said, that door's open. Not only an open door, but it was a door of obligation. When Paul wrote in verse 9, he said, For a great door and effectual is open unto me. Not open unto Timothy. Not open unto Barnabas. Not open unto John Mark. Not open unto Titus. Not open to Silas. Paul said, This is an opportunity that is open unto me. This was Paul's specific ministry. We have to recognize that the Lord uses many different people in many different ways. I know this up here this morning on this platform of people that could sing and play. I can't sing. I tried playing an accordion. I went to practice for three years. And finally, my mother said, Mike, would you like to take some time off from the accordion? <laughs> um, papa, um, papa, you know. I wish I could have played it. I can't sing, I can't play, I can't dance, I can't do any of those things. Every single one of us, not everybody is given those kinds of talents. But I promise you that every saved person in this building has been given a gift or gifts for the ministry. It's not for us to come and just sit and receive get in our car and go home. For a while, we couldn't go to church. Don and I would get a cup of coffee and sit down and watch the services on TV. You know, that can be very comfortable. I didn't have to even shower before church. It's an opportunity today. We have an open door. I can tell you right now, God has an open door for every believer in this building. 
We cannot afford to sit back and become accustomed to church. I don't know how long we have. I have no idea. God says you don't know the day or the hour. But Jesus is coming. And I do believe this, that whatever we do, we have to do now. We have to find our place. We have to take the gifts that God has given to us. The moment we got saved, he gave us gifts, a gift or gift, so that you and I can minister through the local church. Every person about the Father's business, as was the Son. That church of Jerusalem was persecuted. And guess what happened? They ran them out of the city of Jerusalem. And they went everywhere preaching the word. That church, that great church of Jerusalem was turned loose upon the Roman Empire. Paul was turned loose upon the Roman Empire. And the Bible says they turned the world upside down. Our world is upside down. It needs the gospel to turn it right side up. And God uses different people in the church. He uses all of us if we allow him. And he uses different churches but all for the purpose of reaching people in every place. And I say to you today, doors are open all over the world. Sierra Leone is an open door. Is it a place that we want to take our families and retire? Ab and I were talking on the, on the way over uh, as we were coming here from Philadelphia. We were talking about Sierra Leone, and I turned to him and I said, Ab, there's nothing in Sierra Leone that's attractive to me. It's a tough place to live. That's why we need strong people. People that are motivated by passion of heart. This area still needs Christ, does it not? You turn this church loose on this area, the difference it can make, the impact that it can make. But think about what you're doing around the world, the impact that you can make. But just think if God would call out some laborers from here to Sierra Leone to capture that country, to impact West Africa to be an example to the other regions of Africa. A door of obligation. The world is in turmoil. Christianity is confused and very introspective. Yet God has opened doors for us. Each of us have has an obligation if we are believers. Lastly, this morning, the door of opposition. 
For a great door and effectual is opened unto me, many adversaries. In Ephesus, there was Demetrius, the silversmith, who made his money by making idols of silver and selling them. And when people got saved, they stopped worshiping idols. Demetrius was going out of business, and so he became an opponent of the gospel and started persecuting Paul. I think today sometimes, even in God's work, not only the the, uh, opposition that comes from without, but sometimes people lose focus. And you can have opposition from within. Sometimes some believers can become the worst opponents to the gospel. What we need is to be of one mind, one heart, one accord, with our eyes focused on a world that is lost and without Christ. Our hope is not the first Tuesday of November. Our hope is right here. Churches just like yours to stay focused on what, you know, you watch a little news, a little TV. Uh, that's pretty discouraging. You get all caught up in that. And once in a while, Abdul will watch CNN. I, I tell him, that's, what are you doing? Well, he wants to get hear what they have to say too. Anyway, it's a very confused world. There'll be no question when Jesus comes that there is not open doors. Those doors are open to us today. We just have to step through them. We have to have personal obligation. Lord, this is the ministry that you've given me in this church. And if you don't have a ministry, yet find one. Why? Because God gifted you for that. A church with its focus on your community and on this world for Jesus Christ. We dare not become obsessed with the walls and the gates that Satan places before us. We have to seize the opportunity because God has opened before us many open doors. They're there. What are we doing? Could I have every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment? Your pastor's coming. I wonder if there's anyone here today that would say, Preacher, I don't know Christ. I'm not sure I'm going to heaven, but I'm very concerned about it. Is there anyone here today to lift your hand and say, Preacher, would you pray for me? I need Christ. I know that. I want the peace that comes with the gospel. I want my life to be right with God so that one day I can spend eternity with him. Is there anyone like that here this morning? 
I wonder if there's some believers here today that God's touched your heart. Say, preacher, I realize I have been, my, I've been out of focus. God's touched my heart. And I realize today that there is a need for me to be more involved with the Lord than ever before. Pray for me. Anyone like that here today? Would you lift your hand? Yes, thank you. Anyone else? Maybe God touched somebody about being in the Lord's work. Being a full-time ministry, perhaps a missionary. Anyone like that here today? We'd pray for you as well today. God's touched my heart. Speak to me. Pray for me this morning. Our Father, we ask you to bless this invitation. Every way and will, the hearts and lives of your people. In Jesus' name I pray. An attitude of prayer. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for what we've heard this morning. <clears throat> thank you for those that have had the opportunity to both hear and receive not only the gospel, but the call <clears throat> to go. And Lord, we want to give thanks and praise to God Almighty for the privilege that we've had to have Dr. Mike Pepper and uh, Abdul uh, here this morning to speak to our church <clears throat> to call us into your perfect will. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of partnering with them and the, and the great opportunity you've given us. <clears throat> and Lord, now we have an obligation. We have an obligation at least to pray. And Lord, there are people even now who have raised their hands and said, I, I feel like God wants me to go. Heavenly Father, I pray, God, you would work in a mighty way and help uh, continue what has started here uh, to your honor and glory. Lord, continue to help us go forward through open doors, knowing there's adversaries, Lord, but also knowing that, uh, Lord, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. And, Lord, you are well able to overcome anything that stands in the way. Lord, you have <clears throat> set before us this opportunity for your glory. Lord, thank you so much for this time. I pray, God, your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. And uh, as we, as we uh, conclude, I, I want to do something a little different than we normally do. We're not just going to wrap up right now. Uh, we will have announcements and all of that. Um, <clears throat> but I want to just set... I want to just I want to just take a moment in just a moment and I want to pray these men as they leave pray them out uh, as we've done historically I'm not going to have everybody 